Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 4. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, let us hear, let us understand, and let us be provoked, God, to love you, to know you more, just to give our all in pursuit of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're continuing where we started last week and talking about man in the image of God. The man in the image of God, the fact that God created us in his own image. After his likeness, he created man. Male and female, he created them. And some of the things we highlighted last week was that in God's creating man, a part of God's creation, anytime he creates, he names and he gives function. So when he created man, he did the same. That He gave us function, he gave us purpose when he named us and called us as being man. And a part of the function we highlighted last week was the fact that We're supposed to have dominion. He made us kings. That He gave us rule to reign on this planet and on this earth. So intrinsic in being man is being someone who has some sort of authority. Some sort of power that is intrinsic in who we are. And we also talked about the priestly function in man. That God gave man the the task of keeping the garden. That means that keep means to guard it. To take care of it. And to extend it. And that the garden was the temple of God, the place where God would dwell. So it was man's function to to replicate the thing that God had created and expanded over all of the earth. Like I said, it's always an amazing thing when I think about it, that when you see most of the little children's book about creation and about the way God put man in the garden, you see this big, huge, beautiful garden that goes and covers the whole page. But from what God told us, he made a garden eastward in Eden. So Eden was this city, and it was one garden in the east side of it, and it was man's task to replicate that throughout the rest of the earth. So chances are the rest of the earth was just wilderness, forest. We don't know. But this garden was given to man in that one portion of the city, and it was Adam's job to replicate that, to protect that, and to extend it all throughout the rest of the kingdom. Uh, the rest of the earth, rather. So man has rule and man is a priest. That's what we were created to be. Kingly priests unto God. And also in that, we talked about the dignity of being created in the image of God. One, we talked about the fact that us being made in the image of God and the way he spoke to himself to bring us forth shows us that God created us to be connected to him. That we do not exist, we do not have life unless we're connected to God. Because that's what he called us forth from, from himself. And we also talked about how that God personally crafted man. What shows you that we were crafted personally by God. That means that God is personally involved in us. In our in our existence, God is a personal God. We have personal relation with him. Or at least we're supposed to. That's the way God set this whole thing up. And we talked about the fact that God put the death penalty on the death of man. Showing you that God takes value in the human of life. In the human life. So God seeks to destroy that thing that destroys his image. That places us far above all the rest of the animal kingdom. God don't put no death penalty on any other thing. If you go out there and you slay a lion. Peter going to be mad at you. Peter. Not Peter. Peter. (laughs) 
they gonna be mad. But ain't no death penalty for that. Because the lion is not created in the image of God. So we don't judge people for killing a lion as we do for killing a man. Well, nowadays, things getting all jacked up. It's getting crazy. Huh? That's them pet people that, that make all these laws and protection of the animals. And they, they, they gonna be mad at you if you kill. Just like when the baby was with the gorilla. And folk were mad how they killed the gorilla to, <laughs> to protect the baby. Like, how'd you do something like that? But that's a whole nother thing. Our world is all twisted up. But in the mind of God, we have dignity far above all the rest of the animals and all the rest of creation because God has made us in his image after his likeness. So we're going to continue on that same vein and just start to get an idea of the dignity that we have been crowned with as being made man. Then we're going to try to transition probably next week into what does it mean to be the image and likeness of God. So picking up in in chapter 2. Starting at verse four, it says, these are the generations of the heavens of the and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground, but there went up a mist from the ground and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man whom he formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. And and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first was Pison. That is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good, and there is Bedulam and the onyx stone, and the name of the second river is Gahan, the same as that that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia, and the name of the third river is Hidekel, that is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me. All right, we're going to pause right there. This is the zone-in version of creation. Well, just for a bit of background, because a lot of people get confused on this. When you read, especially in the early chapters of Genesis, really throughout the whole book, but it don't look as clear as it does as you go forth. The way Genesis is set up, generally it'll introduce something, generally, then it'll focus in on it. So like if you read Genesis 1 and 1, it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then in chapter, verse 2, it starts talking about the creation of the heaven and earth. Now a lot of people will say, that there's a gap between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 because God made the earth. And then when you get into verse 2, the whole thing is messed up. So they'll tell you this whole cosmic thing that happened and all these wars that went forth and God punishing angels and all that stuff. But we really don't see that. People are adding that into the text. But if you follow the flow of Genesis, it introduces something. It tells you like a thesis statement. Then it goes into details of what it's talking about. 
So in Genesis 1, it tells you God created the heavens and the earth. Then through 2 through the rest of the chapter, it talks about God creating the heavens and earth. Then in chapter 2, what we focusing in at, it begins to talk about this is the generations or this is the beginning of the heavens and the earth when God created man. So then it goes in and it focuses in on man and the earth that man possessing. Y'all see what I'm talking about. It gives you a big picture, then it zones in on that picture. And it does that throughout the rest of the book. Like it'll talk to you about Noah and his generation and all the people that came from him and tell you about his three sons that he begat. Then the next chapter, it going in talking about Noah specifically. So it gives you the whole rundown, introduce Noah and his family. Then it goes into the story of Noah. Does the same thing with Abraham. It run that long genealogy, tell you who Abraham was, where he come from, and all that good stuff. Then the next chapter it starts talking about who was Abraham and what's significant about him. And it does that throughout the book. So what we're reading here in chapter 2 is not a second creation account. It ain't that God made man in chapter 1. Then stuff got messed up so he made him again in chapter 2. No, this is the focused in version of what exactly happened when God made man in his likeness in his image in chapter 1. Y'all, y'all, y'all tracking with me. Now, what we're going to get to our point today talking about the dignity that we have as human beings being created in the image of God the one thing the first thing we want to point out in this is and when we see that God made man to notice something God gave him a job and he gave him instructions gave him a job to keep the ground till the ground to keep the garden and he gave him instructions not to touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Every other thing that you can eat. So he gave him a job and he gave him instructions. In order for God to do that, man had to be what? Intelligent. This shows you part of the intelligence that is innate and created in man. Man had to be intelligent. And man in his created state was made to commune with God. Communication was a, was there and put in in the creation itself. Y'all understanding what I'm saying? So because we got this idea of us who was raised in public schools that man progressively has gotten smarter throughout his existence. You got the caveman and he was just a big dunce who clubbed women side the head because he didn't know how to talk to him and that's the only way he can get a date. All he did was grunt and make sounds like curious joy. Like that's, that's, that's human beings. Just make little sounds beat up women and drag them and make them marry them because he was a caveman. And progressively things got better till you get all the way up to us and Tom and Edison making light and now we just great and we super smart. Anybody ever heard some version of that history? <laughs> that you got all these ignorant people for thousands of years then they slowly got smart. It's like stuff just started happening and oh wow. And they got smarter and smarter and our brains got bigger and all this other stuff. That's foolishness. Man has been intelligent since man has been man because being intelligent is part of being man. Y'all understanding what I'm saying? And we see this in the way that God created man. He gave him a job. He gave him a job to be a horticulturist. He didn't go to no Trenum. He didn't go to A&M to learn how to cultivate flowers and all that type of stuff. But God gave him that job straight off the jump. He ain't studied no biology. He ain't studied none of that stuff. 
It didn't take a whole bunch of years for him to figure out how to do these things. God gave him a job and gave him instructions, which means man has to have the ability to understand his job, to pull it off, and to listen and hear the instructions of God. Communication is a part of the dignity that God has given us because we were made for relation. Because if man couldn't talk and man could not communicate, man couldn't understand what God was saying. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? So language is here at the beginning of creation because language was given to us because we were made for relationship. And we see that when God talked about it, it's not good for man to be alone. So a solitary man and an isolated man is a man who's not living in the fullness of man because we were created for relationship. Are y'all tracking what I'm understanding? That's part of the dignity that we have. That's why we have language and communication. While everything else just got sounds and make make the same sound. We can make various sounds and ascribe meaning to those sounds that we call language. And it is not something that came of the process of grunting, grunting, grunting. Then figure people start figuring out they were making the same grunts and they called it something. It was created. As a part of being humanity. So the thing that. One of the things that elevates you above man. I mean above the animals. Is the fact that you were made in the image of God. And you were made for a relation with God. Which is God gave you intelligence. And God gave you language. Now let's think about this for a minute. As we go on. Now. Since intellect. Is created. In man. God gave him a task. And some things to do. And this elevate him above the rest of the animals. It make me think about it. I got to tell you a story. Now, way back in the late 80s, early 90s. Young man get home from school. And they created this thing. That seemed to be a blessing. But was really a curse. It was called the box. I don't know how many of y'all old enough to remember the box. It was, it was a TV station. The box. And on the box. All they did was play music videos all the time. And they had a thing where you can call in and request a music video. And they just played music video 24-7 was all they did. And I used to sit down and watch this box. You you flip back and forth from the channels. You had BET, MTV, then the box, trying to catch your favorite song. You just go back and forth through them, back and forth all day long is what us youngins did. But the box was the king because it always had a video on. And what the box did to me was it exposed me to stuff that I would never have listened to before. Because it's always on. So you end up just listening to stuff just because it's on the TV and it's a music video. So you got this young boy straight out the projects who grew up on Slick Rick and Too Short and all that foolishness my sister them had me listening to. Listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers and Green Day. <laughs> just because it was coming on the box. That stuff would never been played in my neighborhood. But you had us singing, give it away, give it away, give it away now. Because that video came on all the time. Somebody was requesting it a whole lot. But there was this one video that, that, that stuck out to me that I used to watch. I used to be a little bit ashamed to watch it. I wouldn't let nobody else see me watching it. But for some reason, I liked it. This little song. And it's a little catchy little tune. But what the meme was saying on the song, 
It's me and you, baby. Ain't nothing but mammals. So let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. (laughs) That was the song. Was that a good song? Absolutely not. (laughs) And on the video, you had these men running around. They had little monkey suits. They're dancing all over New York. Singing this, it was a very catchy little tune. Me and you, baby, ain't number mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. And I think this song, I'm going to tell you now, I'm sure you how crazy my mind is. This song comes back up in my mind every randomly, at least a couple months at a time, because I think about it. I think about the deep anthropology that they had in that song. They were really laying down some, some thoughts and ideas about man and the nature of man. And they were really teaching me something. Now what they were teaching was wrong. But it's some heavy, heavy ideology being put forth in that song. Now we laugh because it is a dumb little song. Some of y'all go Google it and look it up. I would not advise it. <laughs> but y'all in this modern age, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> but what the song was teaching is this idea that since we are in alliance with the rest of the animal world that justifies us living just like the rest of the animal world. Because animal world lives off instinct. That's the way they exist. That's the way they make decisions. That's how they move. And what the song was getting at is we the same thing. So I got some instinctual desires. You got some instinctual desires. So we need to just be free and do it just like they do on the Discovery Channel. Just let our instincts run free, reign and rule in our lives. That's the idea behind the thought that we only descend or we get our origins from the rest of the animal world. We're just like them. But if what God says about us is that he separated us from the rest of creation, he crowned us with intelligence, he crowned us with the ability to relate, that elevates us above them. We're different from them. So if we're different from them, we should live differently than them. So that means since the animals purely live off instinct, they have not the ability To understand what it is they're doing, to reflect on what it is they were doing, and to think about how what they're doing reflects and impacts the rest of the society around them. So they just do. We're supposed to be different. What means we should what? We should use this intelligence. We should use this thing that God has crowned us to do. When God created the rest of the animals, he brought them unto Adam and Adam named them. Showing his rule and his dominion, his ascendancy above them. He's better than them. That's why he's naming them. He above them. He's greater than them. He talked about us man and he said we have been crowned with glory and honor. So when we live our lives, this question that, that may frustrate some of my kids, especially my son, because I might get on him a little harder. Is this question of why? When it comes to actions and the things that we do. Because generally the, the, the conversation go like this. The boy do something stupid. And I said, boy, why you do that? And everybody know the typical teenage answer. 
And my general response is, if you don't know why you do it, don't do it then. Because the way my mind reasons and the way my mind rations is that it's crazy folks who do stuff for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Because they're just doing. They're just responding. They're just reacting. There's no control. There's no motivation behind what they're doing other than the desires that is in them. And if you're doing that, in my mind, you're a little bit crazy. You're a little off. Now, there ain't no clinical diagnosis. But it's a truthful one. Because we're supposed to be people of intellect. God crowned us greater than creation. So let's let's think about this for a little bit before we move on. Try to make it a little, little more practical to you. So let's just say my name is Cabrana. And I'm living in Montgomery, Alabama. And me living in Montgomery, Alabama, I'm going about my life, doing my thing. Don't even know what I'm doing or where I'm going. I'm just here. But in this, I make critical life decisions based off this one little thing called what? Feelings. I feel a certain way, so I do certain things. I don't feel like doing certain things, so I don't do other things. And sometimes I put myself in situations where life and death hangs in the balance. And I purely make the decision based on how I feel. Now, do you think that that is closer to being an animal or a man? That's close to being an animal. Because that's what they do. That's how they choose who they're going to make. Like, ain't no um, tigersonly.com. <laughs> they ain't made no <laughs> they ain't well made no website ain't no discretion when they, when they when they doing what they do it's purely emotion they just out there getting it that's the way that they live but we're supposed to be different from them right so when we make decisions when we're connecting when we're being a part of life we should be using what? The intellect that God has given us. The thing that God gave us in order to rule and have dominion. Because God called us kings. And one of the things God said about kings is they should be wise. In Proverbs 31, it talks about a mother giving advice to a son. And he's a king. And she said, King Lemuel, it's not fitting for a king to partake in wine. Because it will thwart his judgment. So in her understanding, her son being a king, he had to have a soberness of mind that allowed him to do and make decisions and not have anything affect the way that he thinking. Because wisdom, decision, judgment is part of ruling and having dominion. But you cannot truly rule and have dominion if you're purely an emotional being. You cannot keep and expand and multiply and do all the things that God crowned us to do if you're purely an emotional being. God has crowned us with intellect. God has crowned us with some thing that makes us man, that elevate us above the rest of the animals. And we need to use these things 
in the way that we live, in the way that we make our decisions. Are y'all tracking with what I'm saying? Because that's, that's, that's part of us being man. And the other thing is language and communication. Like I said, God was able to talk to man when God created man. Say that again. God was able to talk to man when God created man. That means man and God are supposed to have some type of understanding. That's the way God set the whole thing up. So you were man. And God set this thing up as man supposed to be able to communicate with God. So you truly being a man, you're supposed to be able to do what? Communicate with God. It has no distance in, 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 in as far as like language barrier that we got between us and the divine. No, you were made to communicate with God. You were made to talk to God. That's part of your existence as a human being. That's part of you being man. And understand that you were created with the intellect, with the understanding, with the ability and the capabilities to have this relationship. There's nothing that you lack other than the fact that you ain't got it. <laughs> That's it. You don't like nothing. Everything you need to communicate with God was created in you. Everything that it takes for you to understand what God was saying is created in you. But last week we talked about this thing that makes man man and makes man the image of God. And that means that man was created to be a habitation for the presence of the spirit of God. And when you have that disconnect between man and the spirit of God, man is no longer man the way he's supposed to be. So that means the communication between man and God no longer works the way it's supposed to work. So that's why it is intrinsic in salvation and the new new regeneration that the spirit of God be a part of the life of man because that's you being man. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And when you read through your New Testament and you understand your salvation, the one thing that keeps coming up is he predestined you to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. Thought you were created in the image of his son. Why do you need to be conformed to it? Because once you sin, once you die, separation takes place and you're not a habitation of the spirit of God no more. Meaning you ain't what you were created to be. He predestined us, predestinated us to be transformed to that same image. What image? The image of Jesus Christ. That's what he created you to be. Because once sin happened and you were exempt or you separated from the spirit of God, you ain't what you're supposed to be no more. You are, as man, a habitation for the spirit of God. And communication is a part of that. So you were made with intellect and you were made to talk and communicate. And it didn't take thousands of years for us to get here. We were made just like this. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Now watch this. We're going we're gonna to be real quick. Flip over a couple chapters. Y'all went for the long haul yesterday. Genesis chapter 5. Somebody's last little point about this thing. And then we're going to set up for next week on what, we, what does it really mean to be the image of God. Said so this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. So this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. So he made man in the likeness of God. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And it continues to go on and on with all these big guys. Now, this concept of image, when used in this context, 
You read it, flow it out. This sets up the idea of lineage and sonship. Now, that's what this chapter is about. It leads into the generations and the genealogies. But it opens with the fact that God created man in his own likeness, in his image. And then it said Adam did the same thing God did. He created a man after his image. Adam creating a man after his image identifies that man as what? His son. So Adam making Seth after his image identifies Seth as being a son of Adam. So God creating man after his image identifies Adam as being what? A son of God. If you read in your genealogies, I think it's Matthew. No, it's the Luke genealogy where it tracks backwards and it goes all the way back to Adam. In the ends, it goes with Joseph being the son of this person and this person being the son of that person and that person being the son of this person all the way back to Adam. He said, and who was the son of God? So this idea of genealogy connects sonship and it connects relation. So this tells us something about who we are. We were created in the image of God, which shows lineage, which means that we were created to be descendants of God. But descendancy in relationship. Supposed to be a mirror type of relationship. Go watch this. Now watch this. We got this crazy thing. Go to John. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Alright, John chapter 8, verse 44. Help us to understand this idea of image sonship being something of relation and mirroring. John 8, 44, it says, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So this is Jesus talking. He tell them people, you are your, of your father, the devil. Jesus must then read Genesis. Because God created everybody. Didn't Have y'all ever read in the Bible where Satan created anything? Nowhere. So how is Satan going to have some children? How is that possible? How can Satan have children? And Jesus explained how you can have some children. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father will you do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. So what Jesus is connecting with sonship is that acting in the character or showing and displaying the characteristics of something identifies you as being related to it. So in the mind of Jesus, since they were lying, they had to be the devil children because they're showing the characteristics of the devil. So character is a part of descendancy, is a part of sonship. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? We, we, we give descriptive beings as show, to show relation. When people identify me as being fish, your son, they begin to try to pinpoint certain things that connect me to fish, you look like him. You talk like him. You walk like him. That's what they say. I say they be lying. Because you didn't say none of that before you knew I was fishing. (laughs) 
But that's what Jesus is trying to teach you here. We see the same thing in 1 John when, when, where he talks about this is how we know the children of God and the children of the devil. Those who commit sins are of the devil. What he's identifying is characteristics display sonship. So when the Bible talks about us being made in the image of God, it shows in a relationship that we're related to him when we're in his image. We descend from him. So since we descend from him as an image of God, we're supposed to display that image by showing characteristics of him. Because that's how you connect sonship. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the fact that you're made in the image of God displays that you were made to be like him. You were made to display his characteristics. You were made to show forth who he is. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. That's somewhat in the middle of your Bible. After Psalms and Proverbs. We'll just read 29 for a time. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. Ecclesiastes 7, 29. It says, Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. This is Solomon talked about him going on his journey to find what's good in man. He talking about he couldn't find none. Out of all the men, he may have found one. Then he makes a crazy statement that make ladies mad. Said out of a thousand women, I ain't find none. This is the only thing that I found. God made man upright, but man has sought out many inventions. It made a reason he can find that because he was marrying all them <laughs> crazy women who, who led his heart away from God. And them the women that he was searching. Now that's a whole nother subject in the conversation. But the point that he makes in him, that this only have I found. So this is what he figured out in studying man. That Solomon being the first sociologist on the planet. And so he, he's searching things out. He, he taking surveys and doing all this type of stuff that he do. And he figured out Everybody bad, man. It's just, like little rap song say, everybody ugly. <laughs> everybody just messed up. But man was made upright. Now that word upright means that man was made erect. And most people take that to be, see that's why we stand up tall. But if you track that word throughout the rest of the Old Testament, it's used as a synonym for righteousness. So man was made righteous. Man was made with justice built in him. Man was made according to the pattern and the character of God. That's what we are. So you were originally crowned straight, righteous. This is the definition of man. But it said, but man have sought out many inventions. So just to track this thing back out, you being a made in the image of God shows and displays that you're supposed to be a descendant of God. Descendancy is shown through characteristics, which means that you were created to display the character of God. That's why he made you righteous. That's why you exist. That's deep. If you really truly sit down and think about that, you as a human being were made to be like God here on this planet. That's deep. Like I remember when I was in the band and I, and I started to get deep in it. Started to get a little pride after us. I, I was pretty decent with, with a pair of drumsticks. 
I was all right. So people started boosting my head up. And the thing that really started making me proud was when I started to learn about my peers. Because I was a dude, straight out of the project, that my first drum were paint buckets. Now, my daddy got done painting. I'd take the brush, old brushes in the paint buckets and sit there and beat. My second drum was a desk <laughs> in the room. I got some sticks finally in a desk because my brother got in band. So he had some sticks. So I take his sticks and I could just beat on the desk in the house. And, and I'm learning. But I thought this is the way everybody learned how to play drums. I was clueless. Now my circle was, was, was Young Drive and Fort Lane. That was, that was my spear. <laughs> and every now and then I go up and down Terminal Road. So to get out and see the rest of the world was amazing. When they bust us all the way to Cloverdale, and I started to meet other people who did not have the same experience. And these jokers sitting in the class, first day I'm getting a little nervous. Because it's mad, man, man, I've been taking lessons for these many years. Like, lessons? What is a, what is a lesson? <laughs> I like, man, I've been playing at the church since I was five. I was like, okay, man, these brothers, he'll deep. I don't know if I can play with these cats. Then they finally give us some drums after a couple of weeks. And we start to play. Then the amazing thing happened. Oh, these jokers sorry than the mug. <laughs> they don't know nothing about nothing. And so as I grew in the ranks, I thought I realized, hey, I'm actually pretty decent at this thing. I can do this thing. And started getting a little proud about myself. And so what I started doing was by the time I made the high school, I stopped comparing myself to my peers. Like, me being good as you don't mean nothing because I'm better than all y'all. But there was this dude who I heard about around the city, this dude named Kaylin Jenkins. Everybody talk about it like he, he's the bomb. I'm like, okay, that's who I'm going after right there. I'm going to be better than Kate. And I started telling everybody, man, y'all know there ain't no next Caitlin. I'm zinc. <laughs> I'm saying I'm better than Kate. And so when people start making these comparisons at my little school, I'm like, man, don't be comparing me to him. <laughs> you both don't know who I am. Then one day, I happened upon to finally meet this dude everybody was talking about, Kate. And I watched this sucker play. He saw me with some sticks because I always had my sticks with me. Like, you play? Slim dude. I was slim. So I'm sizing him up. He's like, yeah, man, I play. It's like, show me something. I did a little, my little thing. It's like, oh, you all right. You got potential. I felt a little slight a little bit. And he pulled out his sticks. Like, let me show you a little something. I'm like, cool, show it. He get the plan. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> the dude is actually good. And all them Caitlin comparisons started to change their mind in my head. And it became a source of pride. Because this dude is actually good. He like better than anybody I've ever seen who went on TV. Just like this, this, this dude real life, he, I'm like, where you learn that, dude? Cause he don't know He just do sticks all naturally and he's all fast and clean. No sticks clacking together. And like, he good. So when they start telling me, I remind them of Caitlin. I'm like, yeah, that's the truth. Because now it got a different thing. Because at one point it was competition. But once I realized one nobody around here better than the dude, 
And my chances of, of beating him was very slim. He became the goal. Like it don't get no better than that. So me being compared to him, it don't get no better than that. Because he set the standard for what a snap drawn player was here in the, in the city of Montgomery. Couldn't nobody be, play better than that. So me being compared to him gave me a level of something that made me a, something, something special. Even though I was untrained, even though I never took a formal lesson whatsoever that I got my schooling from Fort Lane University. That's where I got it from. Fort Lane University. Right there, right off Fairview. I mean, down off Mobile Highway. That's where I learned how to play at. School, right down there. Playing on pillows and in my knee in classroom. Making elves in class because I wouldn't do no work. But I'd sit there and play with some sticks all day. Made me good, though. I was good. <laughs> but the, my point is, comparison to this high standard elevates me. And it shows you some level of importance. When it comes to my skill. Now just think about this thing. Who is the greatest being ever to exist? God. No one can ever surpass God at anything. He's the most righteous. He's the most wise. He is the superiority, the definition of what it means to be. Matter of fact, that's what he called himself. I am. So you don't be better than God is. <laughs> Here's the purity of existence itself. You cannot define existence apart from God. That's like deep. That's the highest it get to go. And God took the highest thing ever to be, ever to exist, and he told you, you're supposed to be like it. God ain't compare you to nobody on this planet. God ain't compare you to nothing he made. He told you you're supposed to be like him. That's the pattern after which you're supposed to, that you were made in. Just think about that. If you was a singer and they told you, you the next Whitney Houston, you'll feel a little something like that girl can sing. But you a being and they told you, you supposed to be just like the I am. And you should feel some way about yourself. And you should carry some type of weight about yourself because you have a dignity and you've been crowned with something that can't nothing on this planet touch. You were made in pattern after God. That's who you are. What God is is what you're supposed to be. That's the cloth that you were cut after. That's that's deep. That's that's your identity. That's your identity. That's your dignity. So let's just say in your life you never reach the quote unquote level of success as some of your cousins and them. Some of your peers that they go high in college that they get a better job that they drive a better car they live in better houses than you. How should you feel about you? That don't mean nothing. Because it's possible for them to reach a level of quote unquote success greater than you and never be what they were created to be. Because they might get to be like Bill Gates. But you'll get to be like God. That's deep. 
Your sister might get to be like Oprah. But you get to be like God. And that's why one of my, my favorite scriptures that always caused me to contemplate. Everybody know it. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now people think about that scripture and they tell you that. See that lets you know. Can't nobody live right. Everybody's a sinner. But the thing that always sticks out to that. It said we fallen short of what? The glory of God. That means Paul is comparing me to the glory of God. Like how he get to do that? The mark that I'm aiming for is the glory of God. So when he said we missed the mark, he's talking about God's glory. That's why Jesus can say stuff. You need to be perfect like your father in heaven is imperfect because that's who you were created to be like. You were made after that pattern. You were son. You were descended of him, which means you're supposed to display the character of him. You came forth from him, which means you're supposed to be somewhat like he is. You was made after the image of God, which means that's the standard that God judging you by. So if you're far superior than all your peers, if you exceed and you excel everybody around you, that could mean absolutely nothing because that ain't what you're shooting for. If you're more educated than everybody who ever got an education, that can mean absolutely nothing because that ain't what you're shooting for. God is judging you on how close to God you get to be. Which takes me to my final point that we're going to pick up on going forward. So what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. All right. Read the famous verse. 126 and 27. Said God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the, upon the earth. So God created man in his image and the image of God created he him male and female created he them. Now we're going to pick out in this. It says, let us make man in our image. Now, when you get down deep in, in, in all the theologians, they, they, they got volumes and volumes of books just on these couple words. And some of them get so deep that it's stupid. You know what I'm saying? Just don't, do not make any sense whatsoever. But some of them, and, and they wrestle with this. Like, what does it mean to be the image of God? And you got a couple different theories that float around this thing. And some will tell you that the image of God is human intellect and human wisdom and human ability. And I somewhat disagree with that. Even though I, I agree that a part of us being made in the image of God is our wisdom and our intellect, but that ain't the image. The wisdom, intellect, and all that stuff, that ain't the image. And some folks will tell you that it's our erect position. The fact that we made and we stand upright, that that's the image of God. And I tell you, that ain't the image. Because when folk grow old and they get a hump back, they no longer in the image of God. <laughs> ain't nobody say that, but that ain't the image. And for me, the key to understanding what the image is, is paying attention to those prepositions that is in that thing. It says, in the image of God, after his likeness. So the image is something that we was made our pattern after. James, when he referred to it, he said we were made after the similitude of God. So the image is something distinct. It's something that God had that he used to pattern us. Now y'all understanding what I'm saying? 
The image is something God has that he used to pattern us after it. So in the fullness of it, truly, we are not the image itself. We were made after the image. We were made in the image. We were made after the likeness or in the similitude of the image. There is something that is the image of God that sets the pattern for who we are. And if we understand that, we understand what we're supposed to be, what it means to be the image of God. Are y'all tracking with what I'm saying? Because we weren't made the image of God. We weren't made the glory of God. Or we weren't made as it. But we are it because we were patterned after the image. So we were made after the image of God. We were made after the likeness of God. So there is something that is the image of God. And if we understand that, we understand us. And we understand salvation and all of creation. When it comes to destiny and purpose for us as human beings. And what that is, is what we're going to talk about next Sunday. Anybody got any questions? Just to clarify, you said you're going to say what the image is next week? Mm-hmm. Okay. But I do have a um, question about, like, it's very clear how God made man differently, you know, from the um, animals and stuff. But then also there are some parts that, are like animals, like mm-hmm. in a sense how they classify us as mammals, like you were talking about earlier. And I was saying, I wonder, I don't know if you can answer this, but why did God make us, why did he make us like completely different from animals? Like there's still some things that we have that's like animals, you know, and like even the soul aspect, like animals I think have souls. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the only thing that would make us, well not the only thing, but we're going to talk about that. But I'm just saying, why are there, and is that wrong to even I guess I have two kind of two parts of the question. Like, why did he make us anything like animals? Why weren't we completely separate from the even physically and all that? And then, um, I guess I never thought about it. Is it wrong to like classify yourself as a mammal or to go along with that? Or is that, or should we just be in a category all our own? Because he don't go into full detail, but if you pay attention to it, there's connection because there's one creator. Every artist has patterns and have things that's similar in all his artwork. As he crowns himself and he, de- he demonstrates himself through his work. So, like you can study the patterns of certain artists in various pictures, but you still see certain things that that show you that this is the artist that created this. They got the things that they just do, and I think that's part of the creation of God. In that, God has certain patterns that show up. People like to use them as sign of evolution, right? You study bats and man and whales and you see the five bones that's in their limbs. So like, see, they, that show you that they came from one another. No, it show you that God made them with the same thing. That's all it shows. It, that's proof of nothing. But I think a part of the reason it's set up the way it is, is because of our natural selves comes from this earth, just like the animals did. He called, spoke to dirt and made Cows and all that other stuff and monkeys and all that other stuff appear and he took dirt to form man. So there is a connection in that sense of the corporal us. We came from the same stuff. So there is some congruence in the corporal part of us. Like I said, we were made by the same God, made from the same stuff. But in that, there's the elevation that he crowns us with that separate us, but ne- necessarily in purely just in what we are made out of. That that makes a little sense to you. Uh, it's not just 
It's purely from what we are made out of that give us some relation, not in totality of who we are. So do should we classify ourselves under all these categories? Generally, I don't. And that's just because I'm, I'm anti. And that's just me being me and rebelling against everything. So that's why if we hear when the Antichrist come, I ain't going to get tricked. Because I just go against everything. <laughs> but it depends on some of those categories, depending on how they define them and, and, and what it means. For me, I'm a meaning in how this plays out all the way out, all the way down the road type of guy. So when you classify me as a mammal, I need to understand the fullness of what you mean by mammal and how does that play out in my mind and my ideology and my understanding of humanity as a whole and whether or not I would take the category or not. That. What does wickedness mean? Wickedness? Yes. That's a very good question. We're going to go into greater detail than that. It's more weak. But wickedness is the state of being evil or anti what is good and what is right. So it's a bad state. What does forsaken mean? To leave. What does fornicate mean? That's a deep one too. We don't talk about that one in some deep detail. But to fornicate is when you as a man relate to a woman like husband and wife. Only husband and wife are supposed to relate in certain ways. And anytime you relate to them in a way that's not, and it ain't your husband or wife, then you fornicate. What does sonship, what does sonship mean? Being a son, the state of being a son of somebody. Okay. Your mama gonna go into more detail about fornication in the coming weeks. <laughs> <laughs> is the Euphrates River the same Euphrates River that there today? Um, I can't authoritatively say so because as you study it out and you try to connect those rivers with the earth being the way it is now we see that there's evidence that the earth as we know it is not the same as the earth as it was in the early days of creation so is it the exact same river we don't know what is discipleship discipleship a disciple is a student or a learner so discipleship is the state of learning or being taught or being schooled or following after somebody being disciplined by that person any more questions go ahead uh, why were we separated through language? Uh-huh. Why, 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 why did we have different languages? Why did we have, so you getting ahead. So the reason we have different languages is punishment. So you read Genesis, what is it, 11 or 10? It's 11 in the Tower of Babel. When man rebelled against God, and a part of the reason they were able to do their rebellion according to God is because they were all one people with all one language. Shows you the power of unity, what we're supposed to be. That's a whole nother subject. The church supposed to be the reversal of Babylon, a Babel. We're supposed to be one people with one language, with one goal, doing one idea. And that's serving and loving God. But 
God, in response to their rebellion, separated the people to discontinue the work. So all the languages took forth when he brought confusion on them and people started to speak different languages according to their families. So they were separated out according to families based on the language that God caused them to speak, which ended up bringing an end to Babylon and forcing them to do the thing that God told them to do, which was spread abroad over the earth. So that's why we speak different languages. What does lack mean? Huh? What does lack mean? Lack to not have enough to be short on, to be insufficient. Beza had a question. Um, you say, I mean, the Bible say, man is not to be alone. It's not mm-hmm. good to be alone. Not. Why is that? Why is that? Yeah. It don't go into full detail of why is that. So, but what we can draw from it is that we were made for community and we were made for relationships. So it's a part of who we are that we're supposed to connect and relate to one another. Why did he make it that way? I have no idea. I guess if man could be completely content and separate himself by itself, then there would be no replication. There would be no extending of the garden. There would be no multiplying other people on the earth. Because there wouldn't have been no need for Eve. It's Adam. They've been down there playing around with the monkeys forever. Go ahead. But that makes sense. So we were made for a relation and relationship. Alright, any more questions? That's it. They're all yours, Apostle.